Turn please to Psalm 78. I'm confident that the Lord has given us something. Confident. Oh, hallelujah. And all my all our churches and partners earlier this week prayed for me for boldness. <laughs> they did. They put it on me. And uh, <laughs> so I, I believe, you know, boldness, another word for boldness, one of the same word translated bold, is translated freely. Freely. So uh, they, they are the same. To be bold, you know, Paul said, pray for me, for utterance, uh, and for boldness. And I'd speak and proclaim the word of God boldly like I ought to. Another way of saying that is freely. And ministers, you understand this, right? I mean, when you got freedom. Hallelujah. You don't feel restricted. You don't feel inhibited. You don't feel limited. Glory to God. And you're bold, not because you're trying to push something off on somebody, uh, or because you're haughty and think you know everything. You're bold because you're sure. You're bold because of the anointing. Hallelujah. And that's what we want. And why would he pray for that? Because the more anointing it comes forth with, the more impact it has, the more effect it has. And, uh, and it's him doing it, not a man. So let's, uh, we, we've prayed quite a bit around here the, the last uh, uh, few weeks. And, uh, but I know some of you just coming in. Let's agree together in faith about this and tonight and the rest of the week. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together asking for utterance that we may speak as the oracles of God and for ears to hear that you would speak to us, that we would see and hear things that we have not seen and heard, that we would realize things that had previously been obscure to us, and that which we had seen in part we would see in a greater measure. Hallelujah. And Lord, we purpose to not treat it slightly, but to realize when it's you speaking and to honor it and give the greatest weight to it and receive it and embrace it into our lives and become immediately doers of it. And we know when we do that, when we act on your word, your glory will be manifest. Your power, you'll confirm your word and we will see miracles and good things in our lives. And we say so be it. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In Psalm 78. In praying a few weeks ago. About this meeting. I was impressed with. About three different things. And I didn't see how they fit together. But I do now. They fit perfectly together. You know, that, it's always that way. You, you, you hear sometimes people talking about inconsistencies in the Scripture. Passages that disagree, that's laughable. That just shows the ignorance of the people saying that. No, if it looks to you like the Scriptures disagree, there's nothing wrong with the Scriptures. There's something wrong with your looker. And if you're so proud that you 
you know, you think your intellect is above God's word, you're in a lot worse shape than you thought. (laughs) But no, it's just a matter of you not having that light. How many have walked with the Lord long enough to begin to see some of this, that some passages you thought, well, how does that agree with that? And and a few years down the road, you thought, well, well, of course, sure, sure, (laughs) right? It was just you had to grow some and get some more light, and you see, of course that's right. Of course that's true. And how many understand all of the inspired word, it completely agrees, completely it is perfect. The Bible said it's been refined repeatedly. Hallelujah. It's perfect. Perfect. If it's the Word of God, it would have to be. And we will never get a version 2.0. It will never need to be updated or upgraded. Because it was perfect when he said it. You believe that? Then I'm with the right crowd then. Psalm 78, Psalm 78, down about verse 40 here, Psalm 78, this this psalm begins, builds up to the point we're talking about by recounting all that God did for his people, and it's emphasizing their incorrect response. And their failure to trust him and obey him. And uh, down about verse 40 it says, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back, tempted or tested God. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. Brother Danny, and you're probably in here somewhere, you sent me that sign about the Autobahn. You sent me that sign on the Autobahn that says, no, there's no speed limit. No limit. The night before you sent that to me, the Lord dealt with me that that should be the theme for this conference. Hallelujah. So you heard from the Lord, brother. Absolutely. He heard from the Lord. He was saying, I don't know why I'm sending you this. I don't know if you need this. It's a great big sign like you'd see on the Audubon over there. The big thing that says it's the symbol and it means no limit. And the Lord had just said to me just the night before, I want you to minister on taking off the limits. Taking off the limits. Because many of my people are limiting me. And some of the things that I begin to see, man, it's no wonder. Some things have been restricted. And how many think all of us should be open and not assume, well, I'm not limiting anything. Is God limited? And then he said this to me. And I've been shouting about it ever since. He said, there is no lack in me. Do you believe that? There is no lack in God. 
How many would believe that 100%? In God, there is no lack. Zero. No lack. If we're experiencing lack and shortage, that's not God. We're not experiencing that in Him because in Him, there is no lack. Glory to God. And in him, there is no failure. There's no failure in God. You have to go outside of God to fail. (laughs) You believe that? In God, there is no lack. In God, there is no failure. But many have and are limiting him. So let's believe tonight and this week, Lord, show us what limitations we need to see. Say it out loud, Lord, show us any limitations in our lives, in my life, where I've limited you and show me how to get rid of them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And it's wonderful news. When you find out, okay, that's what's been holding this up. Get that out of the way, and here it comes. Woo! That's something to shout about. (laughs) But, but, but. Some of the first part of it may not make you shout. But are you willing? To receive it, if it's the Word of God, if it's the Spirit of God, receive it. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin used to say this from time to time. He'd say there are two areas you need to feed your faith on on an ongoing basis, not just once in a while, but continually. You need to feed your faith on healing, and you need to feed your faith on finances, on prosperity. Abundance. You believe that? Yeah. You need, and the Lord dealt with us when we started this church to have a week of increase every year. And uh, it's gone, as you, if you've been with us, it's gone a number of different directions, but it always has to do with increase. Increase. And there are a lot of people now preaching prosperity compared to what there used to be decades ago. And uh, a lot of it is not so hot. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. Some of it. (laughs) Some of it. It may be more accurate. Is not so hot. And you've still got a lot of people that preach against so-called prosperity. And uh, we need to know what we believe. Right? And be established in the truth. I've seen people that were excited with me back 30 years ago about God blessing you. They're just totally preachers. They just totally got away from it because they were concerned about being lumped together with other folks that were perceived as charlatans and, you know. 
And so they just got to where they don't say anything about prosperity. And they've suffered for it too. I said they've hurt for it. Because if you never preach on it, you never teach on it, your people will have no faith for it. Either in their own life or in the church or the ministry. And if you don't preach on it and teach on it, you won't have faith yourself. (laughs) That's one thing about cooking. You get to taste it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And then when you serve it, you eat it with everybody else too. (laughs) And so you still got a bunch of people, depending on what circle you're talking about, they openly oppose so-called prosperity Preachers, believers like us, like y'all. And then you got another group of folks, and, and it's, it's a pretty good sized group. Pretty much every message builds up to a big offering. Pretty much every, every service, every message is the same thing, and the solution to every problem is sow a seed, a financial seed. To us. Tonight. (laughs) And that is not true. I said that is not true. Sowing and reaping. Is a big part of our life. Sowing material seed is. But that's not all there is. To success. And abundance. It's a part of it. I said it's a part of it. Well, how many would agree we don't want to be in the ditch on either side of this? We want the Lord to help us to rightly divide the Word of God, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that right? You don't quit believing in a God of abundance, in a good God that'll bless you and cause you to eat the good of the land, who richly gives you all things to enjoy. It hurts me that I see some folks have just completely left this for fear of getting associated with a crook minister. Well, I've made up my mind. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to believe it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to have it. A thing that uh, the Lord dealt with me about it, you're you're there in the psalm, go back to verse 8 and notice this. He said, you know, verse 41 of this psalm, he said, they turned back and, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit him is what we need to know. And we see this recur more than one time. In verse 8, it said, might not be as their fathers, a stubborn generation rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Verse 37, it says it again, for their heart was not right with him. As always, it was a heart problem. How do you limit God? Heart problems. It won't just be some thing that you happen not to know or some ignorant mistake that you made. No, 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 no. What's God always looking at? He's looking at your heart. That's what he's always looking at. 
He doesn't look on the outward appearance like man looks. He looks at your heart. And you can be absolutely off the wall in your head, but right in your heart. Hallelujah. And you can be technically, scripturally perfect in your head and wrong in your heart. But their heart wasn't right. And the thing that the Lord revealed to me is uh, the choices made and the wrong things yielded to that resulted in these limitations. You did say you're believing with me now. Man, this is, this is big and it's got about 12 spokes on it. <laughs> And it's wonderful. It is a, the Word of God is wonderful, isn't it? The light of His Word is wonderful. The thing that He reminded me of is something we've taught on over the years a number of times and got some light on, but it just, thank God, it's gotten stronger now. And that is, I've asked myself for the past 30-some years, when I began to receive some things through Brother Hagin, the Lord taught Brother Hagin about prosperity and how to believe him. And one of the visions where the head of the church appeared to Brother Hagin, he said to him, when he taught him about how to be led by the Spirit, he taught him about the inward witness and he went down through the things, you know, remember that? If you've read it, if you haven't, you need it. And uh, he said, at one point in the vision, the, the master looked at him and said, if you'll learn how to be led by my Spirit, I'll make you rich. Now, there are all kind of Christians that absolutely would refuse to believe that. They wouldn't believe that Jesus himself would look at you and tell you that. But it's because they don't know him very well. Because that's him. I said, that's him. And when he told him that, but, you know, Brother Hagin, that was different from anything he had heard. In the denomination he was in and, and the people he had grew up around, that was just radical thinking. And he said the Lord knew his thoughts and said to him, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. And the church has not separated those two. And that's why it's so confusing to a lot of people. They, a lot of folks that have grew up in, without uh, teaching on abundance, they know there's some things in the Word and there's some wrong things with being greedy and being covetous and, and wanting stuff more than you should. They know that. And that's true. But they've combined that with, you know, the covetousness is bad, so the abundance is bad. But that's not right. We got to separate it. Somebody say separate. And then you got some other folks. They've come to believe that God's a good God and He will make you rich. But they have gotten carried away with it. And they think too much about it. And they've become money minded. In fact, that's another thing the Master told Brother Hagin. On another occasion, he said, be, he said, be very careful about money. Brother Hagin said the Lord told him that. He said, many upon whom I've put my spirit, my anointing, 
have become money minded and have lost the anointing. Even though God's a good God, you can be covetous. And covetousness is idolatry. And you can think too much about money and things. And that is wrong. Can we, by the grace of God, separate these two? Can we get them separate? Do you have to be covetous to be blessed? No. In fact, some of the most covetous people on the earth have almost nothing. You can long for stuff and hunger for it and crave it and not have it. Well, if that's true, you could have it and not crave it. Huh? You could have it. And I don't care if it's your new car or your new suit or a million dollars. You And the Lord deal with you to sow it. There it goes. You're not attached to it. You don't love it. It flows in. It flows out. <laughs> but the thing about a pipe where if something's flowing through it all the time, it's flowing in, it's flowing out. How many know the section of that pipe is always full? <laughs> It's not the same water, but it's always full. And that's fun. I said, that's fun. Watching how God does it. <laughs> but the thing that uh, that just, I don't know, it jarred me a little bit. I'm talking about 30 plus years ago now when, when I first encountered it. And then year after year, it just puzzled me. Why some people get so mad about prosperity. Have you ever encountered it? <laughs> you know, Phyllis and I in this ministry, we preach miracles, we preach healing, we preach a number of different other things, but the the ugly grounds, the uh, hate mail, if you want to call that, does not even compare in any area to prosperity teaching. Oh, man, we have, you know, and I know a lot of you have, have heard some of the same things. People get mad about this. Don't they? They get really worked up and upset. And, and it just didn't seem natural to me. It didn't seem reasonable to me. Why would somebody that doesn't know me, never met me, never been to the church, never heard me preach, why would they care what kind of car I have? Why would they care? But they do. (laughs) Why would they care? They don't know how much I paid for it. They don't know how I got it. But yet... If it cost even a little bit more than theirs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know one of the first houses the Lord helped Phyllis and I to get. It was a miracle. Absolutely a miracle. We got that house for what would you say? Phyllis, half of what it was worth? Outstanding. Just above and beyond. We had sown for it. We believed for it. We stood for it for years. And it happened. 
I mean, I won't take the time to go. We, when, it, when it came time to get in it, and we didn't have the money, but it came. I mean, one of the big chunks we needed, we were sitting in the parking lot outside the bank and didn't have the money to go in and close. And the phone rang. <laughs> Thank God for phones. The phone rang. <laughs> but anyway... It was miraculous, and it was so comfortable, and it was so nice. Now, we were traveling so much back then that actually uh, it was, we moved in, but uh, a year and a half later, somebody came to visit us, and they said, y'all just get in this week? (laughs) There were no pictures on the wall, because that wasn't our priority. That wasn't what we were doing, and yet we got it, and in time, we're going to get it there, and we did. But I went to get my hair cut at a place, and... uh, uh, a lady was talking to me about some things, and she said she just had a woman in there that had driven by our new house and was really upset. <laughs> I thought, who? Who is this? I didn't know her. She didn't know me. She said, yeah, she said, that's just too much for a preacher. What does he need with something like that? What do I need with something like that? I live there. <laughs> People say, what do you need with an airplane? Go places. Go. Come back. (laughs) What do you need with all that? But you know, you want to say, what is it to you? (laughs) Did you put a bunch of money in here that I didn't know about? Why would you care? It just puzzled me. Why people that knew nothing about you would get so upset. And I begin to think there's something going on here that's more than meets the eye. And what I'm seeing now is it's one of the biggest limiters in people's lives. Do you believe we can get to this? It's one of the biggest limiters in people's lives. Go with me to the book of Genesis. We're going to have to go way back. (laughs) Back, back, back to the book of beginnings to get this. Genesis, the fourth chapter, please. I want to say this, talking about things and money, whether you're a preacher or a believer or whoever you are as a child of God. It's not what you have, it's how you got it. That's the big deal. It's how you got it. Now, if you lied to get it, that's bad. If you stole to get it, that's evil. Right? You don't have to be a preacher. If you weren't a preacher, but you lied and stole to get it, it's bad. It's evil. And I agree. Lying and stealing in the name of God is particularly offensive and detestable. But we're not talking about that per se. We're talking about people don't know how you got it. They don't have a clue. And yet, just get livid. Oh, God. That just makes me sick. What? What? How much they paid for that. That just makes me sick. 
what they need to do is ask themselves, why? Why? Why does this bother you? Why? (laughs) But they won't want to do that. (laughs) But this problem is much more widespread than you might think. Because a lot of folks may not vocalize it, but they think it. I said they think it. They, They eyeball stuff and they go, hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and what they don't realize they just limited themselves <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself hard not to do because it's exciting did you find Genesis 4 verse 1 Genesis 4 and 1 Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. How many think that was a great day to them? I got a man, Cain. How many think they were so happy about their baby Cain? Loved him, right? Took care of him. He grew into a little boy and grew into a man. Verse 2, she again bare his brother, Abel. He's not the firstborn, but he's a good little boy. They love him. They take care of him. They went different directions in life when they grew up. Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was a herdsman. Rancher, you could say. Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. They went different directions. And verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. This is a generic statement with no descriptors. What was it? And he brought an offering. Nothing said about it. He brought an offering. Verse 4, and Abel. Now all the Faith Life Church knows what's coming next. (laughs) Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof and its name was Fluffy. (laughs) Abel brought Fluffy. Now Fluffy was no ordinary sheep, brother. Fluffy had won the county fair four years in a row. Fluffy had blue and purple and red ribbons in the barn. Fluffy. Fluffy. (laughs) Was what the other sheep herders aspired to produce. (laughs) Was there a difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering? What did Cain bring? An offering. What did Abel bring? Fluffy. We have extra words describing Abel's offering. Wonder if that's the case today. If a lot of people bring an offering. But some people, 
I felt like I lost half the crowd right there, Brother Andrew. <laughs> We've already received the offering. Relax. There's not going to be no, no pull for anything tonight. <laughs> but what do you think? What do you think? A lot of folks today, they would give an offering. But some are like Abel. And they do beyond an offering. Fluffy meant something to Abel. Fluffy was his prize. Why did Abel give Fluffy to God? Why? Why didn't he just keep Fluffy? This affects, you know, I don't Fluffy, I don't know male or female, but could have more offspring and and raise the quality of his herd, and this affects his future. Why would he give Fluffy? Hold your place here. Go to Hebrews. You Hebrews eleven talks about Abel's offering. Hebrews 11, verse 4. What's the first two words? By faith, Abel offered to God a what? More excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, (laughs) oh boy, I'm wading off into it now. (laughs) Did you know that Jesus watches offerings? You know he does. Why would you say his is more excellent, more excellent than whose? Are we comparing offerings? More excellent than whose? You got to compare them to say that. <laughs> Told you we're waiting off. <laughs> you remember on one occasion the Bible said Jesus was in the synagogue and they were having the offering and he watched what they put in. You remember that? Yeah. He watched what they put in. Yeah, he did. And the rich people put in a lot and the widow came in and put in two mites. How did he know what they put in? He looked at it. How did he know what the widow put in? He publicly announced the amount. <laughs> Boy, if any preacher dared to do that today. Would you hear about that? What is Sunday morning? I came down through. I said, let me see that. (laughs) Okay, let me see. All right. Okay. Oh, that'd be talked about. And yet, tell me who did it? Who did it? So you'd be following Jesus' example. And here he says, Abel's offering was what? It was more excellent than Cain's. Now here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. What made it more excellent? By faith. It wasn't because one was worth a larger amount than the other. And the Lord doesn't, per se, look at amounts. He does look at percentage. That's what that was about. I just quoted to you. 
How could he say the widow woman gave more than everybody else? She didn't give more than everybody else amount-wise, but she did percentage-wise. The Lord does look at percentage, and he looks at what? What does he look at? He looks at the heart. That's what he looks at. So the heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift. I've been to places before where a man or a woman gave me something that was worn and frayed and dirty and dingy, but you could tell it was their prized possession. Bring you to tears, man. And don't you dare say, oh, I can't, I can't, I'm not. Are you going to, you're going to deny the man? You're going to dishonor his offering. Come on, are y'all with me? You're going to deny him the opportunity to reap a harvest off of what God told him to do. And yet, there are people that throw pretty significant amounts, and you can tell it don't mean one thing in the world to them. But they won't give you any time. (laughs) What does God look at? Come on, he looks at the heart. The Israelites there in, in Psalm 78, how did they limit God? It was a heart problem. Why was Abel's offering so much better, so much more excellent than Cain's? It had to do with faith, and faith is of the heart. For with the heart, man believes. Come on, keep reading it here in Hebrews 11.4. By faith. Somebody say by faith. faith. How did he do it? In this same passage, it goes on to tell us, for without faith. Nobody can please it, right? With anything. I don't care what you do. If your heart's not in it, which is another way of saying doing it in faith, then he's not going to be pleased with it. You can't impress God with some big something. He creates planets. Come on. Right? You can't throw a big check down and God go, Woo! <laughs> What's he, is he looking at your check? Huh. What's he looking at? He's looking at your heart. And if it doesn't mean anything to you, then it doesn't mean anything to him. We've got to watch about rituals and routines. All of us have to watch about rituals and routines. Just getting used to doing something. And it doesn't mean anything to you. I know some years ago in Ramah, uh, they allowed me to teach a course on praise worship. And uh, the summer before we taught the class, I was preparing, studying. I remember sitting in my, in my house in the, in the chair looking at some things. And I, I began to realize, you know, praise is an offering that God will receive. Amen. He will receive it from us. We're talking about the creator of the universe who doesn't need any material thing. What would he put a value on? And yet it's possible to give him something from your heart that he counts valuable and will receive it. Glory. So I was looking at that and thinking about that and making some notes. And and then the Lord said this to me. Do you know he's funny? Do you know that? If you hadn't found that out, you hadn't gone very far. He is funny. God is funny. Jesus is funny. He would tell you some stuff sometimes. You'd just fall off your chair. You'd go, Lord, that's funny. 
He said this to me. He said, son, when you're praising and worshiping, he said, if you're not getting much out of it, don't think I am. (laughs) I mean, if you're not enjoying it, he said, don't assume I am. (laughs) You say, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's useless. That's totally vain. (laughs) He said, if you're not enjoying it, don't assume I'm getting much out of it. By faith. How did he do it? Come on, how did he do it? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It wasn't just that perhaps Fluffy was worth more money than what Cain brought. The fact that Fluffy was so valuable was the result of his faith. Not the value of Fluffy that made it the big offering. It was what Fluffy meant to him. And the fact that he would give it so quickly and freely meant God meant more to him. Can you see this? Will God see that every time? Will he see through all the stuff and he sees right into your heart? We know it's by faith, but how many know the Bible says faith works by love? Why did Cain do that? Excuse me, Abel do this? Because he loved God. He, he, he liked Fluffy, but he loved God. Fluffy's valuable and important to him. But God is far more important to him. And he didn't just give an offering. He brought something that, what's the word there, Lord? Something that expressed his heart. Hallelujah. I don't think I've ever said that before. Like that. He brought something that he was, you know, a material thing cannot completely express a spiritual thing, but God gets it. When you make an effort to express something physically, materially, financially, the thing that touches God was not the amount or the thing, it was your heart. What you were endeavoring to express to him. And by faith Abel offered the more excellent sacrifice. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. What he did was right. First John talks about that. What he did was right. What Cain did was wrong. And God testified of his gifts. God. We're talking about an offering. Yeah. And God testified. What do you mean he testified? God. What's the word there Lord? He approved. Abel's offering. He put his seal of approval. (laughs) Huh? On Abel's offering. And he did it in front of the other people. How else would Cain have known? 
And you know what that's called? The blessing. (laughs) The blessing. The Lord was pleased with Abel's faith expressed by his offering. And he responded with his favor and blessing on Abel. And it was perceivable and evident to other people. And that's when the serious problems started. God testified of his gifts and by it, he being dead. It's been a long time since Abel's been on the earth. And you know what we're doing in here tonight? (laughs) Talking about Abel's offering. Talking about Abel's fluffy. All these centuries later. Hallelujah. Wonder if, wonder if. God not being any respecter of persons and never changing. Wonder if people obeying him today in like manner will be remembered and talked about in ages to come. Come on, are you listening to me? Absolutely. He didn't change. It's not about doing something nobody's ever done. It's not about the biggest amount or the greatest sacrifice anybody's heard of. It's about, come on, tell me what it's about. It's about... Your heart. It's about your heart. Now brace yourself a little bit. People say, well, God knows my heart. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) And some things about some hearts are not so good. They're not so hot. (laughs) well what night is it (laughs) go back to Genesis please Genesis do you want the truth what will the truth do for you sometime before the truth sets you free it spanks you real good (laughs) but if you let it have its perfect work Right? You'll just wind up free. Just free. Genesis 4, are you there? Verse 4. He brought of the firstlings of his flock. The best. The fat thereof. That's the best. How many would think this is the best he had? And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. You'll hear a lot of people today try to tell you, God don't care about all that offerings and all. He don't care about all that. He used to. (laughs) And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering in verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Do you know the Lord does not receive all offerings? Even though people might have received it, that doesn't mean the Lord received it. What determines the acceptability of a gift or offering? The heart. Always comes right back to that. The heart of the giver. And, and how many understand? You cannot fool God about your intent and your heart. I mean, you might be able to fool some people, but you can't fool him. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Under Cain and his offering, 
He had not respect. And here's the answer to that thing that I said had been troubling me for years. What happened next? What happened next? Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. He got real angry and depressed. Over what? An offering. Over what? What's he upset about? What just happened? His offering didn't amount to anything. He didn't see any big changes in his life. No big financial miracles. No just status quo. But his brother, Abel, has the obvious manifestation of blessing in his life. And the favor of God. Mama and daddy knows it. The animals know it. (laughs) Abel is blessed. Now here's the big thing, friend. Here's the big thing. You're going to see Cain and many accuse God of being unfair. A lot of them won't say it. But they will accuse God of being unfair. A lot of times all they say is, it's not fair. Okay, what's not fair? Who's not fair? (laughs) What they got stuck in their craw is God's not fair. And that's a big lie. I said, that's a big lie. Well, they got all this and they're able to do all this. And I'll just keep bumping along. Is it fair? If somebody loves God more than another and is willing to sow beyond them and believe beyond them and have a bigger vision and will obey God more than them, if God blesses them more, how is that not fair? I said, how is that not fair? Let's make it up and get it settled on Monday night right here, right now. Is God fair or not? Come on, I want to know. Is God fair or not? In everything he does, is he fair? In everything he doesn't do, is he fair? Come on, somebody say, God is fair. He's just. Is he? He's perfectly just. If it looks to you like he's not, it's just something wrong with your looker again. Because he is just. And, you know, some people think, well, to be fair, you have to treat everybody exactly the same. Wrong. That's not fair. That ain't fair. To the people that are willing to get up early and stay up late and work harder and go further and sacrifice more and obey better, that they get exactly the same as the lazy bum? Ain't fair. But God is fair. He is fair. What was Cain? What happened to him? When he saw what came of his offering, and when he saw what happened with his brother, 
And he saw the favor and blessing that God was pleased with Abel. If God's pleased with you, you think you'll find out about it? His favor is life itself. It goes before you. It clears the way. It prepares the way. It brings up your rear guard. The favor of God. And what happened with Cain? He was very wroth. Very angry. Why do people get so mad? Same reason Cain got mad. Exactly the same reason. This has been the same all these generations, all these thousands of years. Verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you mad? We don't use the word wrath so much today. Why are you angry? Oh, friend, this is one of the best things you ever heard. This is worth you coming to the service tonight. Right here. Next time you get real mad, especially if it has to do with somebody else and what they have or doing, what do you need to ask yourself? Why? Why am I angry? Why? Why does this bother me? If they had really done something bad to you, maybe we could understand that. But because their dog got a thousand dollar collar, why would that make you mad? I just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know what I could do with that money? Exactly. 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 What you could do with their money. You're the one off the wall here. You are coveting their dog's collar. Leave Fido alone. Leave him. He's a good dog. Leave him alone. It's ugly though. And it's all over the place. I said, it's all over the place. This ugly stuff. I believe, and I think you'll see this the further we go. I believe this is one of the biggest driving forces in the devil himself. He, way back, we don't know how long ago, became envious of God himself. What did he say? I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne. I, I, what is it? He's envious of God. God made him an awesome creature. We don't know what all he had and how long God blessed him and used him. To be in the presence of the Almighty is life itself. But some way or another, that wasn't enough for him. He got to looking at God and his throne, and his place, and his power, and it got to chewing on him. And he wanted what God had. And he tried to get it. He tried to do it. But the scripture goes on to say in that passage, you will be brought down to the sides of hell. You ain't going up. This elevator goes down. <laughs> 
But that stuff that originated in him is exactly what he breathed into Adam and Eve. Concerning that forbidden fruit. Why? To be like God. This is not just a good thing. Yeah, you'll take on some. No, no, no. It's wanting God not to be above you. And here they got two boys. And what does the devil do? He comes to breathe that awful stuff into Cain. And he saw his opportunity when Cain made a mistake. Read read the rest of this in in Genesis 4 here. What did the Lord ask you? Why are you mad? Oh, friend, I want that to sink down in your spirit. Next time you get upset about something, you ought to ask yourself that question. Real, I mean, put your face in the mirror and say, hey, what is your problem? Why are you so mad? Do you remember Jonah? After he prophesied that Nineveh was going to be destroyed, and it wasn't. And he went out there to wait to see if maybe it would happen anyway. (laughs) And God caused this gourd to grow up. You remember that? And he got a little shade, and then the gourd died. And the Bible said Jonah was mad. He was livid. And you know what God asked him? What right do you have to be mad? That ain't your gourd. You didn't make it grow. You didn't do anything. And you know what Jonah says? I have every right to be mad. I'm I'm mad enough to die. I'm mad enough to die. That is an unreasonable rage. And that is the devil. How many remember Ephesians says, be angry and what? Don't sin. And the very next thing, neither give place to the devil. One of the biggest ways you give place to the devil is by getting so upset and getting so mad and not stopping and asking yourself, what right do I have to be upset about this? What is this to me? Why am I so mad? Why is your countenance fallen? He was mad and at the same time he was depressed and hurt. He's hurt, mad and hurt. You know what we're describing? Bitterness. It's a nasty combination of mad and hurt. You're hurt and you're mad. You want to cry? You want to slap somebody? Because <laughs> it ain't right. It ain't right. It's not fair. Oh, it's not fair. What's not fair? Who's not fair? Keep reading. What the Lord tell him? If you do well, should you not be accepted? Is God telling him I'm done with you? No. no, not even close. The boy made a mistake. But it's not just, oops, I put in the wrong envelope. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't get in trouble for that. There might be some natural consequences, but not with God. What do you get in trouble with God about? Heart, heart problems. And uh, he, he missed it. And he knew better. How many would know this? The moment 
Abel comes in there leading Fluffy in. What did Cain think? Uh, boy, makes my offering look like trash. And at that moment, you have a choice. Oh, is everybody awake? Are you at that moment? You have a choice. You can admit that what just happened. It makes you look bad, but it's the truth. Bubby, Abel, he loves God more than I do today. He wants to please him more than I did. He's willing to give him more. He's willing to obey him more. His love for God is not painting me in such a good light. It shows me up. And if you'd be honest, he'd go I knew I should have done something different. I knew that wasn't what I should have done. All he'd have had to do is kneel down in front of the Father and say, I repent. Father, I, I repent. I, I knew when I pulled that thing out to bring to you that I shouldn't have. And I just looked at it and I knew what I should have brought, but it was more expensive. And I thought, well just church and if he'd have repented we wouldn't have the rest of this story in here because the father himself told him if you do well what's going to happen won't you be accepted just like I accepted your brother I will accept you I will receive your offering I will bless you just like I'm blessing him and that's the thing people don't want to believe when you see somebody, now there, man, this is so big. When you see somebody, there's more than one way to have money and stuff. You can be rich in this world that's got nothing to do with God. But I'm talking about rich in God, where the Lord added it to you through the blessing of the Lord. If you see somebody that's blessed of the Lord, where the Lord added it to them, the truth is, You can have anything they've got, everything they've got, and more if you're willing to do what they did. But many people are unwilling to believe that. They're unwilling to believe that. They would rather believe a lie that it's not fair. How come they get to have that and they get to do that and and I don't? I've done all this. Why won't God do that for me? It's not fair. You're believing a lie. And that's why people get hopeless. Because they don't believe they can ever have it. They don't believe I'll ever be a part or I can do anything like that. And it seems so unfair. Is God a respecter of persons? Does he change? No. No. What did he say? I'll accept you. Does the word of God apply to everybody? Would he tell anybody? Just, you can, is he telling Cain he can have a do-over? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he is. He didn't say you've missed your opportunity. That's it. I'm done with you. No, no, no. What does he say? If you do well, that means there will be an opportunity to do well and to get it right. Shall you not be accepted? And what's he telling him? 
He's giving him a hint. Just, just step it up a little bit. And I'll be happy. I'll accept it. I'll be pleased. I'll bless you. Just step it up a little bit. Do something that means something to you. And if you do well, if you, if you don't do well, you are in a dangerous place. Sin is at the door. Why was sin at the door? Because he's mad. He's upset. He's choosing to believe lies about God and about his brother. He said, Cain, watch out. Sin is right here at the door. Other translations talk about you have to master it. And you shall rule over him. Did Cain have to yield to the devil here? Could he have changed? Could he have said, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I, I got no reason to be mad. Who gave Abel Fluffy? God. So who does Fluffy belong to? Abel. Right? Yeah, that's right. If he didn't, then Abel's got nothing to give God. What was it to Cain? Nothing. Cain is a rancher. Excuse me, a farmer. He ain't into ranching. And so Abel wants to bring his prize and give it to God. What, what did Abel do wrong? What did he do wrong? Something God gave him? Oh, now somebody missed that right there. Before you can sow a fluffy, you have to have some fluffies. That's another message right there. What if you don't believe in fluffies? <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. I would never have anything that costs that kind of money. No, no. Then you could never give anything on that level. And it's not because God wouldn't have it or receive it. It's because you have limited him with that thinking. Is anybody open in here tonight? Come on. Open for some fluffies. 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 What's a fluffy? Come on, anybody know what a fluffy is? A fluffy car. A fluffy suit. A fluffy house. What would that be? That'd be other people look at it and go, whoo, whoa, what is that? You go, that's a fluffy Mark III. That there, brother, you looking at a fluffy deluxe. Limited production on that. But if you never have a fluffy... You could never give a fluffy, which mean Abel wouldn't even be in the Bible. Who gave God, excuse me, Abel fluffy? I gave you the answer, didn't I? God. You reckon it was God's will for Abel to have fluffy caliber stuff in his life? He wouldn't have given it to him. He hadn't wanted him to have that caliber of thing in his life. But then it gave him this ability to express something beyond what he had. He said, if you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin's crouching at the door. 
You got to master it. How many remember what the Lord said to Peter? He said, Satan wants you. He desires to sift you like wheat. Sifting separates things. What's the devil always doing? You got you to back up. Let, let this, I know the devil doesn't want us to see this, but you're seeing it already and it's too late. Amen. The devil is the most envious, bitter being you'll ever come across. We have what he wanted. Even though most Christians don't know it, hadn't seen it, what's our destiny? We have been raised up together with him and sat where? Set where? Set where? At the right hand of God. That's the throne. It doesn't get any higher than that. That's where he wanted to go. That's what he wanted to be. And now it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. But we're there. But it's, it's choking him every day and night. He is murderous in his rage about it. He envies us. Oh, he'd never tell you. He'd never, he'd never tell you. But he envies us terribly. And it keeps him in a rage. Knowing that, should we ever let him breathe that stuff into us and us become bitter and envious and enraged at somebody because of some good things that are going on in their life. Say it out loud. Never, never. In Jesus' name, no more. Not again. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. Let's close our eyes and just reach up our heart to the Lord. Oh, Father, we bless you. Oh, Master, we love you and thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Pray it out loud. Then I want us to pray in the Spirit just a little bit. Say it out loud. Search my heart, heart, O Lord, Lord, and see if there be be any wrong thing thing in me. me. Make it clear to me. me. Reveal it to me. me. Any root of bitterness, any Any anger anger that I have no right to feel, feel. any lie. Accusing you you or others others of being unrighteous, unrighteous, unjust, unjust, unfair. unfair. It's all of the devil. devil. I despise it. I resist it. it. And he'll have nothing nothing in me. me. Help me to pray, Holy Spirit. Spirit.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.